When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events and we relay that back to you for your listening and viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And of course, my co-host joining me with me once again, Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, how are you doing this afternoon? Are you okay? Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, Still trying to get over, which was... uh... Quite eventful race, Adam. You know, there's a lot of talking points to go over, and I think you know, I think this is a perfect time to talk through it. Absolutely, and of course, we have now almost a week after the first race of the season. Recording this on the Thursday evening, just before Good Friday. So, if you are celebrating Easter around the world, Happy Easter to you! And of course, it's always a good opportunity to indulge ourselves in chocolate eggs, as people often do, or hot cross buns, or whatever your Easter pleasures are. I don't know. Um, some more than others, I should say. But of course, we're not here to talk about chocolate. That'd be a different kind of podcast. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, Corny, a lot of incidents occurring at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Still got another couple of weeks before the next race to Imola, which is so frustrating that we have to wait so long for the next race of the season. But I'm sure it would be very much worth the wait if it was anything like the first one. Um, it's funny, actually, we, we were going to get into the topic of uh, track limits, which is obviously the thumbnail and the title of this podcast is based on. So, you know, not much of a spoiler in that regard. But um, if you guys do want to know some other thoughts on this, I was recently on a podcast. Um, I was being interviewed for Wheel to Wheel podcast, our friends in Canada, Aaron and James in particular. Uh, they were interviewing me on this topic and if you want to know more information on that you can check that out but of course my thoughts as well on the Bahrain Grand Prix in particular in extension to the podcast episode that we did so we're going worldwide guys DNF1 sort of I'd, representing I'd like to uh, pull you up about something Adam because I listened to it done a good job there's something that you said I didn't agree with oh right? here we go you said you said right that all of my friends dreamed of being football players right I need to correct you okay yeah, playing for West Ham would have been great, but I, at that age, I dreamed of being a train driver, right? So I just wanted to correct myself on that one. I wanted to spare you, the, <laughs> well, is embarrassment the right word? Um, no, I'm owning it, mate. That's why I'm putting it out there. No, I mean, to be honest, when <laughs> they asked me about that, I was thinking of my primary school days back before. Yeah. So before we'd even met. Obviously, my life turned upside right, down and changed when I met you. But Right, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. Yeah, yeah. My life was so much richer when I met you, Corny. Don't worry. Um, my childhood before that was a very dark and dull place without any other Formula One friends or even train aficionados out there like yourself. So, uh, yeah, but that, that's a podcast for a completely different genre and demographic. And I'm sure when one of those exists, I'll be very, very keen to let you know. They probably do exist. I don't know. What do I know? Um, yeah, yeah, most likely. 
anyway guys um track limits yes so track limits turned out to be the big talking point after the bahrain grand prix which is frustrating because we had an otherwise fantastic head-to-head battle between red bull and mercedes and lewis hamilton and max verstappen respectively which of course ended in lewis hamilton taking the first win of the season for the mercedes team and it was a is a brilliant performance between both driver and his team to get that win it was completely against the bookies odds expecting Max Verstappen to consolidate that pole position that he did so well but ultimately came up short when it mattered most and the fallout from the Grand Prix Courtney was about track limits so for those of you that aren't aware of the situation probably best for me to briefly summarize what transpired to lead to where we are now with this discussion and Before the weekend started, the drivers were basically informed on Friday by race control, by the stewards, by Michael Massey, the director of uh, Formula One, that um, basically track limits were going to be monitored at turn four for practice and for qualifying only. In the race, they were not going to be monitored or adjudicated in the same way. So it was pretty much all fair game as long as the drivers don't gain a lasting advantage. Now, A lasting advantage is a very vague term. It could mean a time, uh, amount of time that you've gained from exceeding track limits, or it could be a position that you've gained on the circuit. Normally, we would say it's more about positions, but in qualifying and practice where you're not really overtaking people, it's more about the time. So that's kind of how I imagine they would see it. Fast forward to qualifying in practice, we had driver's lap times that were taken away or deleted as a result of violating those track limits at Term 4. During the race, however, Lewis Hamilton in particular had gone outside the white line where the track limits were being exceeded 29 times. However, despite going over that many times, he had done so on the basis that he was led to understand, as everyone else was, that track limits were not being monitored at that corner. So for all intents and purposes, what he did was perfectly legal. I think we can agree on that one. The issue started when Red Bull and Max Verstappen, for whatever reason, felt that what Lewis was doing was wrong. Now, a lot of drivers were breaching track limits in that particular area. Lewis, perhaps more than most, he was going quite wide, a lot wider than the others were, but it was still legal. You know, the FIA and the stewards didn't deem that to be Uh, gaining a lasting advantage and you could argue how a lasting advantage is interpreted in terms of time Um, but in this case there wasn't really anything wrong with it everyone could do it they ended up saying to Max on the radio go wide at turn four because Lewis is doing it and the FIA and stewards are doing nothing about it the issue at hand was when the stewards then responded a few minutes later informing Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton that what Lewis was doing was wrong now Before we go any further on that, straight away, Courtney, that scenario right there has already shown us two things. One, the FIA inconsistent in interpreting track limits or monitoring track limits over the course of the weekend between qualifying practice and the race, which is weird because it should be, I believe it should be consistent all the way across the board. And secondly, they've changed their minds halfway through the race. They've basically said it's okay but as soon as Red Bull complain about it, which they can do so if they want information to be clarified, but they're now telling Lewis all of a sudden to do something that not, not to do something, I should say, that he was allowed to do in the first place. Well, there are two problems with this situation. Uh, first of all, the FIA in that moment seemed to be reactive rather than proactive. And if you're trying to be 
consistent. And, you know, because at the end of the day, in particular in the championship like this, the smallest margins can make a difference. And you don't look back in this championship and go, oh, yeah, this championship was decided by the stewards. You know, nobody wants that. They seem they were reactive rather than proactive. And you need strong leadership in, in a sport where these margins can make such a difference. And the other problem is I don't quite understand why the stewards have such a hard task to implement these things. Because compared to other sports, particularly football, they actually have physical, you know, they actually have physical things that they can actually work with and numbers they can crunch compared to, you know, again, going back to football. Where, like, for example, so VAR, I'm not a big fan of it. I can see why they thought it was necessary to start with. But with VAR, it's sports a spectacle. You know, you could, you're, you're scared to celebrate when your team scores. When you go to a ground, I've done it, I've gone to games where I've seen, I've seen West Ham score a great goal and I don't celebrate it's like 30 seconds after the goal, just in case. With Formula One, we're lucky in the sense where because all the technology is there and it's all done before the actual race itself, there's no reason for the stewards to be having an impact on the event. And we saw it happen. And I don't understand. It shouldn't be happening. It's bad enough it happens in football, but I think in football they have more of a reason to do it compared to like when they do Formula One. And they can't keep on doing that because it's going to stop putting fans off the spot. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, uh, for those of you I should mention that are hearing some background noise, uh, I apologise for that as we're currently right now when we're recording, there's a lot of background noise going on, particularly outside my house at the moment. So I do apologise for that if you are hearing any. Um We'll just have to press on anyway. But yeah, you're right, Corny. Um, It's a problem. And I think one of the biggest issues that Formula One needs to address is, unlike football, they are managing basically 20 races at once, effectively. They're watching every single car. And we're led to understand that they should have the technology and also the personnel available to be able to do that. From what we've seen, every time they look inside race control, it seems to be about three or four people. You have always have the elected representatives that turn up to different races. You have different officials and sometimes you have a, a guest representative. I remember Johnny Herbert, the former Formula One driver, now Sky F1 pundit. He was doing that role um, in, I think it was Belgium last year. The incident where Charles Leclerc was not penalised for doing a practice start slightly outside his uh, the exit line and also going around the track too slowly on the first start. I think it was because of the two issues were kind of mixed together. Um, and that brought up a lot of controversy because it was different to Lewis Hamilton's uh, penalty he got in Russia for doing the same thing. Although in fairness, Lewis's one was a, it was a lot more dangerous than what Charles were doing. But that, that aside, um, you've got 20 cars going around the track and you kind of need to have somebody almost watching these incidents all the time. And I think the FIA and the stewards in particular have gone on record in saying that they do rely on other teams to report incidents to them as they happen in order for them to monitor them. Now you're shaking your head and I can understand why you think that's frustrating Courtney. And I get that, but I suppose my argument would be is that when you've got so much that can go on, especially on the first lap, Sometimes the stewards, I don't think it would work if you had that many people watching the race at the same time, because you've got so many different voices, you can never really make a decision. And the problem is the race is still going on. We don't, unlike VAR in football, Formula One race does not stop. Everyone doesn't just stop where they are just so that they can isolate one particular incident so they can watch it without missing out on anything else. So it's a problem that 
there has to be a balance that needs to be found in that regard because I can understand your frustration, but yeah, because I... the problem is mm. the, the problem is you're then putting you know potentially the result of a race could be affected by the self interest of the team because Red Bull were complaining because obviously they wanted to slow Lewis down. So, you know, you could be getting to the situation where, I don't know, you could have, like, you know, a, what a, so we say, like, the Red Bull representative might be a better talker than the Mercedes representative, and then that gives them an advantage in a race. And we want to be seeing races decided on track, not by, you know, who's who's got the who's got the gift of the gap off track. Well, I don't know if it's if Red Bull did it with the intent to try and deliberately slow Lewis Hamilton down. I, as I said, there are two issues with this. First of all, the inconsistency with the stewards in terms of right. monitoring track limits and when and when they're not going to when they are and when they're not going to do it. And by having a parity between practice qualifying and the race, I can understand where Red Bull may have forgot, given that they'd spent two days where track limits was a thing, and all of a sudden it's not. So I feel like they were doing it for that reason, but also the second one in particular, when it comes to the lasting advantage that we mentioned earlier, um, Lewis was going a lot wider than some of the other guys. Now I'm not saying that that was the best line to go around. Obviously I'm not a formula one driver. You know, you can experiment on the game, but it's not the same as in real life, but maybe Lewis found that there was more time taking that line for him, taking a wider line to carry more speed, less turning input. It does add up. And even if it's half a tenth, if you times that by 29 times, that's larger than the margin that he won the race by. So, you know, some fans can argue, obviously, you know, lots of things happen in Formula One that kind of say you can't just apply that. And then all of a sudden, way Max wins. It, it's not as simple as that. But it, it's those differences in those situations and why it's still not very clear and consistent that are creating these uh, controversies and creating these talking points where rather than us talking about a great rivalry building up between Max and Lewis that started off in the best way possible in Bahrain. We're talking about why there's an argument over how legitimate this win should be. And we haven't even got into the overtake yet yeah. for Max Verstappen. But that goes that goes back to my original point because a thing that we've found I know this is Formula One podcast, so I apologize to those who don't like football. But what we've found really frustrating in football in the past season or so since VAR has come in is that we've had too many games being dictated by, you know, I am I confess I'm an avid talk sport listener, okay? And every, every, every Monday, you're talking about a VAR incident that's broken, and it completely takes over the game itself. And I don't want to be seeing that happen in Formula 1 because it's tedious. You know, and like, I'm repeating myself here, but in football, as frustrating as it is, there's more of a reason for it to happen given what they have to work with compared to with Formula One. It shouldn't be happening in Formula One. It shouldn't. No, absolutely. Um, but as I said, it, it is so frustrating for fans, especially like fans like us that have been watching this for a long time. It's confusing for us. So I can't imagine how confusing it must be to newer fans coming into the sport, watching things like Drive to Survive and think, oh yeah, that looks great. I'll have a bit of that. And they're watching, they tune into their first race this season. And all of a sudden they're like, what's going on? Why is Max doing this? Why is Lewis doing that? Like, you know, where are the rules? And we weren't even made aware as fans that track limits were going to be, uh, weren't going to be monitored in the race. Like they spent the whole weekend on the broadcast telling us where the cars can't go offline to have their lap times deleted. But no such thing was done to tell us, oh, by the way, guys, it's all fair game during the race. So we were as confused as anybody. I mean, 
I remember hearing the radio call from Max Verstappen and we saw a few occasions when Lewis did it. The first time I saw that video of Lewis go off track 29 times without context, I thought, wow, that's either a massive oversight or Lewis Hamilton, if anyone else had done that or uh, on the game or in real life, if you'd have exceeded track limits 29 times during the race, should have been disqualified. You know, or the or the time penalties he would have accrued up would have been more than enough to cause him to lose the race and maybe not even finish on the podium. So there's a lot that the FIA needs to address on the steward in an F1. And I feel like we hear these messages from Michael Massey and some of the other stewards about, oh, yeah, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. Ultimately, what it comes down to is just a lack of communication. And this is how this can cause situations where a race like this, which should be remembered for a titanic battle between the two guys that are going to be fighting for the championship this season, in my opinion, is now being overshadowed or tainted because of something that is completely arbitrary when you think about it. I mean, let's not talk about this particular moment any further because it gets worse when you look at the overtake because I think a lot of people are trying to use the overtake as an excuse to perhaps target Lewis and Mercedes in this way. Yeah. why yeah. should Max give back the place to Lewis when Lewis was not penalised for exceeding track limits, completely ignoring the fact that what Lewis was doing was legal? And the simple answer is, Courtney, to those people that still don't get it, and I'm sorry to say this, I don't know why you don't get it, guys, those of you that don't, but the simple answer is you cannot overtake or complete an overtake outside track limits. And whilst track limits weren't being monitored at turn four in terms of the regular driving, a lasting advantage is significant when it comes to overtaking. That is a lasting advantage because if Max had kept the place and wasn't penalised, he would have effectively, he, he might as well just driven off down the Sakir Grand Prix, yeah. gone down the straight and be like, bye, Lewis, I'm it's half true. a minute ahead. It's true. I, I think, you know, the fact that you mentioned about some fans having to go about Lewis, I think there's a lot of frustration about how much Lewis Hamilton has dominated Formula 1. You know, it's understandable. But I would like to say to the people that are so keen for Max to be winning races and this championship, just be careful what you wish for, okay? Because Max is supremely talented, okay? Max could go on to be of a similar calibre as Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton. And trust me, once he gets his, once he gets his teeth sunk into some Formula 1 dominance, he's not going to be letting go. So as, as somebody wants to have battles, I want to be seeing the likes of Norris, Ricciardo, Leclerc, Russell, I want to be seeing them all up there competing with each other because, trust me, if Max Stappen gets the right car, he's going to be doing exactly the same as Lewis Hamilton's been doing for the last few years. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I we've known for years how this sort of swings and roundabouts in terms of the officials or the stewards favouring particular teams and drivers. I mean, we had, what was it, Ferrari International Assistance, the FIA? Yeah. In the <laughs> days, and, uh, and now it's Mafia, apparently. I'm not sure what it's that. I think it's like Mercedes... Uh, assisted by the Formula One international, I don't know. Like it, it's so so stupid, and and it mostly comes from people. Or okay, you're not a fan of Lewis, you're not a fan of Mercedes. I get that, that's fine. But I can't see where the evidence for an agenda is in Formula One. Yes, okay, there are probably times like the Ferrari engine controversy, and I don't know where the motivation came from to not disclose the findings of the uh, investigation that they found on two grounds. One, because first of all, if Ferrari had done nothing wrong or they couldn't prove it, then why was the engine Ferrari used so much slower? And why didn't they disclose that? And 
secondly, if there is an issue with the Ferrari engine, which made the car go a lot slower after that investigation, why don't you just admit it? Is, is it was mm. it that bad that Ferrari's reputation would have been massively damaged? I suppose the only thing in my head would be that the other teams would be so angry because for Ferrari's performance that they had over the last couple of years. I mean, it's a good thing they didn't win a world championship using oh, that engine. Imagine. Could you imagine the uproar? Jeez. Um, but anyway, we're getting to a different topic. But with the overtake <laughs> itself for Max Verstappen, I think it's cut and dry. You know, he did the right thing. He let Lewis back through. Um, having said that, I st- if it were me, as I said before, I wouldn't have let Lewis through. I'd have just carried on and it took a five-second penalty. I know some people were trying to say that a larger penalty could be a given under the circumstances, but could you imagine, Courtney, if they did that? like Normally, an incident like that warrants a five-second time penalty. We've always seen those kind of penalties mm. offered when that's when they don't give the place back. Well, we saw it with Vettel. We saw it with Vettel a couple of yeah. years back in Canada. Yeah. Absolutely. Whether you agree on that penalty or not, but that was what he was given. And ultimately, that's what cost him the race. Could you imagine if Max had pulled out a five-second margin? And because of that, they ended up giving him a larger penalty. And the, by the time he'd done that, they probably would they would have done one or two things. They'd have either waited to see what the result was or... They'd have wait, they would have given Max five seconds, him cross the line, and then there'd have been pressure on him or the stewards to give him a larger penalty because he ended up winning the race. Yeah, the conspiracy theories would have been going mad if you got an extra penalty on top of that, you know. Uh, you imagine the conspiracy theories then. I love <laughs> indulging in F1 conspiracy theories for the fun of it, but in terms of actually entertaining them, in terms of being real news, like some of them are really out there, and this one would have been... So it would it would have been the talk of the season, and we're only one race in. Imagine the rest of the season. Um, but I digress on this one. I mean, let us know what you think, guys. Um, ways that perhaps that the FIA and the stewards can improve. I think we've already said enough already. Communication is so important. Consistency, and not just for the teams, the fans. They we need to know what's going on. It's like I used a metaphor, uh, a hockey metaphor for the wheel to wheel podcast because they were Canadian that I suppose um, for anyone that knows how hockey works apologies for the screams I don't know what's going on um, I'm pretty sure it's just kids playing in the garden screaming 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 anyone who's got kids will know exactly what I'm talking about um, I think I think I just watched some Monaco Grand Prix on a Sunday <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a longer scream than that one it's like you can this goes on for how many laps yeah <laughs> No, I love the Monaco Grand Prix, but it I wish it was known more for overtakes than for defensive driving, mm, but I digress. Exactly. I was re-watching the um Drive to Survive episode, the one where Daniel Ricciardo wins his final race for Red Bull at Monaco, where he mm-hmm. lost the MGUK. And it was so funny because the way that they were portraying that victory, it was a great win from Ricardo. They call it the redemption win because obviously a few years before that, he had that um, terrible pit stop where they forgot his tyres and it cost him the win. But this one, he managed to fend off Vettel and Hamilton without an MG UK, which is worth 160 brake horsepower. And they were saying, they were building this up like, oh, when the MGUK fails, the engine is going to go kaput or the engine will fail. You have to retire your race. I'm like, yeah. At 95% of circuits on the calendar, that's what would happen. But not Monaco. Yeah, not, not, because not. you can't overtake at Monaco. So that was just pushing Ricardo <laughs> along. Like, all right. But that's Netflix. They love to build up the drama. And I think a lot of people who have seen the recent Drive to Survive series will know that 
it's a bit over the top now and it's not really reflective. I mean, apparently, according to Netflix, Drive to Survive, um, Lando, Norris and Carlos Sainz hate each other and they have a massive rivalry in the team. So, yeah, I'm not sure where that... Well, make that what you will. Yeah, I see bromance, they see rivalry. I'm not quite sure where that comes from. But anyway, um, let's talk about something else, Courtney. The Australian Grand Prix today, uh, the, the hosts, um, that race will be happening later in the year, at November time. They're changing the layout to the race and they put it on their social media. And this was rather strange timing because it's um, of the day of recording this April 1st, April Fool's Day. We indulge with that, with DNF1, with a little tweet of our own to wind a few people up. I mean, I made it blind in the obvious that it was fake, but some people at first... Oh, I had, I, had some, I had somebody message me on Instagram asking if it was legit. And I went, oh, but I said FFS because like, I'm not going to swear. I was I mean, like, is this yeah. real? Is this you and Adam pranking? I was like, oh, come on, mate. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even um, a subtle one. It, I, I tried no. to make it so obvious that <laughs> it was just for a bit of fun. Like someone, a, a brilliant one I saw from, uh, I think the Twitter account was Battery Voltas. Really, really funny meme account. Definitely follow them if you haven't already. And they did one where they took a picture of the 2021 Huss and it was saying that the World Anti-Doping Authority had deemed that the Huss livery was illegal to use because it clearly had the Russian flag on it. And they changed <laughs> their account to have the Formula One logo and they changed the account yeah. to Formula One. And so many people thought it was real news. They don't check to see the accountants verified. Or I got to. The blue you got to check the followers. You got to check the followers as well. That's the yeah. other one. Oh, well, but I mean, Battery Voltas has got a lot of followers, but not as much as Formula One. Um, no. But yeah, it's, it's amazing how many, how many people fell for it. But we did one. Obviously, we did a little silly one with um, Lewis Hamilton announcing his retirement making way for Pastor Maldonado, the real goat of Formula One, to take over the Mercedes seat. And all I did was basically just Photoshop his head and drop Mercedes badge on top of the Lotus hat. I thought, surely people are going to see that straight away and think, yes, yeah, fake. But there were a few people that fell for it. So, um, <laughs> wow. You know, you wouldn't believe Gullible was in the dictionary, would you? Um, I digress. But yeah, the Australian Grand Prix, back to that. Um, there, yeah. They have changed their layout. Now, as I said, because it was April 1st, we thought it was a joke at first. I didn't want to click on the link because I didn't want to get rickrolled or anything like that. I was expecting that to happen. Um, and at the same time, I just looked at the circuit layout. I knew that this was happening for a while. Um, in November, they were talking about changing turns 9 and 10 to make it more of a, not turns per se, but more of a longer straight leading up to turn 11 and perhaps a fourth DRS zone as well being included. I'm not sure if it would be that many, but... By looking at the layout and we're looking at what they got in planned, uh, look, got in store, I suppose, for that race in 2021, the circuit's going to be widened and there's going to be a lot more overtaking opportunities, hopefully. So I'm really excited about this because I actually like the Australian yeah. Grand Prix in Melbourne. It's it's a street circuit by nature, but it's a track that a lot of people have not been a fan of over the years because it's been hard to overtake and even harder so with these modern day Formula One cars. So to do what they're doing with this layout, I am pretty happy with it. And I think it's something that's been overdue. I mean, we've been at Melbourne now for, oh, since 1996, about 25 years it will be. They didn't have a race last year, obviously, because of COVID, unfortunately. And we're lucky that we've got one this year, which is great to hear, because it definitely needs to be on the calendar in particular. But these changes do look quite promising. It's going to make the track faster, much more faster flowing track. The More overtakes are hoped 
not necessarily guaranteed. But um, Courtney, having looked at the circuit, what do you think? Are you sharing my sentiments on this or do you still feel a little bit sceptical? I certainly am. Um, With Melbourne, uh, you know, it's it's a fast-flying circuit. I've always enjoyed it. I I do like it particularly usually because it's the first race of the season and you're sort of seeing the brand-new cars being used in anger and you sort of see them in their full glory, which was kind of missing a bit this season. Hopefully next season they'll be back at Melbourne to start with. But it's it's been an almost circuit for me. Let me explain. There's been... There's been moments where, because of the way the track was designed, there's been almost some opportunities to overtake. You know, there's been, you'll see, like, there'll be moments where the driver's, like, does a little shift, a little shift of the steering wheel, because they might have a chance, but they just don't quite have enough space. And these changes, I'm really hopeful, could be the difference between the drivers going from a little nudge of the steering wheel and then going for full send. Because it's, it's, as I said, it's, it's, it's an almost circuit. I think these changes could really push it over the line to make it a full-on classic circuit because it, it's up there. It's, it's up there as one of, one of the favourite circuits. And I think these changes could put it up there with the likes of, you know, with fourth street circuit. I think it could make it the best street circuit up there with Canada. Well, my favourite street circuit is Singapore. So, um, really? It, I like Canada. I mean, Canada's good. Um, for a lot of reasons and you know it's a classic F1 circuit I just have a real fondness for Singapore I just like the way that it ebbs and flows the night race and it always produces brilliant moments as a Ferrari fan um, in recent years it's always been a bit up and down we obviously had the issue in 2017 where Vettel basically took out Verstappen and Raikkonen into turn one 2019 and 2020 were better years for Ferrari um you know, tw- well, not 2020, 2019 was a better year for Ferrari uh, with Sebastian Vettel winning his last race for the Scuderia. Uh, it seems so long ago, that does. But um, yeah, hopefully this will provide the desired effect. I mean, we've got the Saudi Arabia race coming as well. They've already put out that track layout. I mean, they can boast all of the speed figures they want. Apparently, it's going to be the second fastest circuit on the calendar behind Monza. But I've looked at the virtual onboard lap, and I can only think of one overtaking opportunity at the most, and that's at turn one. And you've got to be really bold and talented to get that right. So I would say if I was being uber cynical, that qualifying will be the memorable day at that race. Yeah, rather than the Sunday, just like Monaco. I think I find a little bit concerned. So I'm going off on a mini tangent. Don't worry, it's only a mini one. Something I find a little bit concerned about this season. Last season was fantastic because the, the change in circuits that we had, the race weekend was still pretty much open by the Sunday. This season, okay, so you've got Imola, you've got Monaco, you've got Singapore, which isn't the easiest, and then you've got Zandvoort, and then you've got this circuit. So you've got at least five circuits. Well, we've got 23, granted. But if five of those races, the likelihood is the race is going to be decided on a Saturday. And I really don't like that because you want to be going into Sunday with an open mind, with a sense of excitement. But five of those races are going to, well, most likely going to be dull. Well, I think this is why the 2022 cards are... You know, it's so critical that these cars will have the desired effect in terms of overtaking because these circuits are difficult enough to overtake. The last thing that you need are the cars having trouble following each other and the cars being so good performance-wise that they can throw themselves into corners at such high speeds that there really isn't any room to overtake. So 
to make the cars a little bit more difficult to drive and not as easy to throw into the corners at high speed as the previous ones are will be a big thing. And of course, not making them as wide. You know, the, the cars have gotten a lot wider now. I mean, I remember Lewis Hamilton back in 2017 saying the Mercedes was like a boat and people thought it was funny. But when you look at it compared to a 2004 Formula One car, it's it's like a little baby. It's like it's almost like um, you get Super Mario or something when he's had his mushroom. He's massive. That's not a modern day F1 car. And then when you hit him, he goes tiny again. That's like a 2004 F1 car. Like the size difference is incredible. And these cars are so heavy now. Like th- that's something that they've gone with for a long time. I've never been a fan of it. I don't think a lot of drivers are a fan of heavier cars either. They're just not as nimble as they used to be. So, you know, I mean, we can go on about this all day, but um, it's good news for Australia. But you're right, Courtney. Hopefully in 2022, these cars will make some of the lesser looked forward to street races where it's become impossible to overtake. Not necessarily a thing of the past, but at least a lot more exciting to watch and a lot more opportunities are arrived from that. Um, I think we've pretty much covered everything we needed to talk about in this episode. It was mostly about the track limits. But of course, guys, let us know Mm -hmm. what you think about the news with Australia. Um, Are you happy with the changes they're making? Are you looking forward to seeing how they pan out? I certainly am. And of course, let us know what you think about the track limit situation as well. And chucking some Imola predictions while you're at it. Why not? Let's get that underway because we'll be talking about that race very, very soon. In the meantime, guys, of course, make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. Really, really is important, guys. We really need you to help us out with this one at the moment. With the way YouTube is not really promoting the channel as they were. Not sure why. Lots of things going on. So it's more important that we need your support. Like the video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And share with anyone that you know that is interested in Formula 1. And wants to engage in conversation with us on our social media. Our, t- our handles are below. Yeah. For Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Make mm. sure to get following. Got to say, Adam, quickly before we go. We got some comments in. Don't 100% agree with some of them, but we love the engagement. It really is enjoyable. You know, it's one of the most important things that are doing it. So please give us your thoughts. Whether you think we're going to agree, whether you think you you might feel stupid, honestly, feel free to share whatever you think because we really do love engaging with you. Absolutely, there's no wrong opinion in Formula One. I mean, there are some that aren't popular, but you know, let's be honest, guys. We're, that's why. That's why we love everyone. Everyone has a different interpretation on it. And it's always good to engage with newer fans, you know, always learn something new from, from people. You know, you never really know everything about the sport. We certainly don't, despite how long we followed it for. But anyway, we're, we're just going on here, guys. So all that's left to say is thank you very much for tuning into this episode. Stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. See you soon. Podcast Network.